Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Hi, this is Jimmy Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. The word intimacy means inner closeness. That's what it means. It means close on the inside. In fact, let me just read you a definition here. It means depth of relationship, complete mutual awareness, and unhindered access to another person. It means I know you. I know who you are. I have access to your thoughts. I have access to your emotions. I have access to your body. I have access to you. And so intimacy means closeness on the inside, not just on the outside. Now in Genesis chapter two, when God created marriage, he created man and woman and marriage. This is what God said, for this cause a man will leave his father and mother and will cleave unto his wife and they too will become one flesh. And then verse 24 says, the, the verse 25 says, the man and his wife were both naked and unashamed. Now in marriage on the rock, I talk about the four foundational laws of marriage. Okay. In this message, I'm going to talk about the four essential elements of intimacy. If you're going to have closeness on the inside, if you're going to be able to know each other and have unhindered access, no fear, no, nothing to, to hinder your intimacy at all, four things have to be present. The first is value. For this cause, a man will leave his mother and his father. Marriage has to, marriage causes us to reprioritize our lives. The Bible says for this cause a man will leave the most important thing in his life. Before you get married, the most important relationship you have is with your mother and your father. Okay, and it says for this cause you have to leave. And the word leave there doesn't mean abuse, forsake, anything like that. It means let go. It's the word azab. It just means reprioritize. And so literally, a covenant marriage that God puts together spirit to spirit is more profound than a blood bond. And what that means is it has to be first. I'm putting a high, the highest value on you. And going back to the law of priority, which is the first law of marriage, marriage has to be first. It has to be before your children. It, in real terms, it has to be before your job. It has to be before your friends. It has to be before, you know, golf is what almost, you know, ruined our marriage. And I, I golfed so much, or it almost ruined our marriage. And what saved our marriage is I hung up my golf clubs. It, but what it said to Karen is, you're first. And so you have, intimacy begins with value. Now listen, love is our greatest need. Rejection is our greatest fear. We, we all fear. When you go back into a person's life, and I've done a lot of counseling for many years, a person's greatest damage is always done through rejection. You know, whether it was a previous divorce or rejection of a, a, a person earlier in your life or whatever, that's because love is our greatest need. So value says something in a relationship which is critical to establish intimacy. And there's, that's, there's nothing more important than you. Except for Jesus Christ, nothing in my life is more important than you. Number two, the essential element of intimacy is energy. For this, it says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, reprioritize, 
and cleave unto his wife. Well, you know, the word cleave is not a common word in the English language. You think of meat cleaver, and that's not a pretty picture, you know, related to marriage. I mean, you might have come to your mind a few times when you were fighting, but <laughs> the word cleave is the word davak. In the Hebrew language, it means to like climb a mountain. It's an energy word. Uh, five times in the book of Deuteronomy, we're commanded to cleave unto the Lord our God. That means you grab onto and pursue with all of your energy. Jesus said, seek and you'll find. Knock, the door will be open. It's an, there's an energy in pursuing a relationship with God, and there's an energy in pursuing a relationship with each other. In other words, marriage is work. You know, and, and some people think, if I marry my perfect soulmate, I have to, won't have to work at it. Well, that's just baloney. From the very beginning, God, and, and specifically, it talk, it's talking to men here. It says, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. We work hard at the relationship and honestly and truly, if you marry your perfect soulmate, you're going to have to work at the relationship. Some people believe, and I believe that this is just kind of a, a romantic misconception in our society that's perpetuated by the entertainment industry. Some people believe if you have to work at it, there's something wrong with your relationship. If you have to work at it, you have a, a normal marriage. You, have, you, you married a normal person. So it, it requires energy. The number three thing that it requires is sacrifice is it says, they too shall become one flesh. The only way that two things can become one is the surrender of everything for the relationship. Jesus says, if, if any of you will not give up all of his own possessions, you can't be my disciple. In other words, if we're going to have oneness with Jesus, it means that we come to Jesus and bring everything into the relationship. So see, I, I marry you and, and I say, well, I'll give you everything except this. You're going to hate that thing I won't give you. That thing that I won't give you is going to keep us from being one. It's a natural resentment we have for anything in our spouse's life that is not included in the relationship with us. So I'm willing to sacrifice. Jesus sacrificed to create a covenant with us, and we have to sacrifice to create a covenant with each other. And by the way, the word covenant means to cut. It, it, it means a sacrificial, permanent relationship. And any time that there was a covenant in the Bible, there was always blood. That's, that's the, you get what you pay for in relationships. If you want an easy out, easy in, easy out relationship, that's not what covenant is. Covenant means till death do us part. I'm willing to sacrifice for this relationship. God cut Adam and took his rib out and created Eve and created marriage. He just as easily could have created Eve out of the dust. But he was saying something, and that is the nature of marriage is sacrifice. Number four, essential element of marriage is trust. The man and his wife were both naked and were unashamed. They, they had no fear. The, the word ashamed there means to be, to be put to shame. There was nothing in their relationship that kept them from being completely exposed to each other. Now understand, when sin came into the Garden of Eden, that all changed. When sin came into the garden, then they were ashamed. And they hid from God, and they hid from each other. And the beautiful intimacy that they had was out the window. And, and by the way, when God came to Adam and said, what is this that you've done? He said, she is the one who is responsible for this. And he blamed Eve, and then Eve blamed the devil. And it was just your basic nightmare. All the trust was gone from the relationship. So value, energy, sacrifice, and trust. We're going to use an acronym here. It's invest. We're all through. We're going to talk about the four areas of intimacy, and we're going to use an acronym, invest. Intimacy necessitates. 
value, energy, sacrifice, and trust. That's the word invest. If we're going to be intimate, it means we must have value, energy, sacrifice, and trust. Let's begin with spiritual intimacy, creating spiritual intimacy. A sense of unity and mutual commitment to God's purpose for our lives and marriage and respect for the special dreams of each other's hearts. It's really, it's really uh, the closest, the, the greatest depth of intimacy we experience in marriage. V, value. I value God's purpose for your life and the dreams of your heart. Now, uh, marriage, a godly marriage is a win-win proposition. We both get there. I, as a man, I am called by God to nourish and cherish you as a wood bone body. Those are agricultural words. The word nourish means to feed to maturity, and the word cherish means to keep warm like a plant. A husband's role in the marriage is to be God's partner to bring his wife to her full potential of what God created in her mother's womb to become. Chauvinism is just simply the belief that men are more special, men are more important. You're here for me. You take care of me, and my life means something. That's not a godly marriage. A godly marriage is two people created in God's image with calls on their lives getting together and we're a team to both get to our full potential in God individually and together. I value the fact that you were created in your mother's womb to make a difference in this world and I'm your dream maker, not your dream breaker. Hey everyone, welcome back. We are Dave and Ashley Willis with Marriage Today, continuing the conversation today on what really creates intimacy in marriage. And we've got some great questions from viewers. We want to share a few of those with you now. That's right. Our first question says, my husband has been in a deep depression for the last few months. It's easy for me to feel frustrated because it feels like I am carrying the load of our family on my own. How can I support him in a way that shows that I truly care about him? You know, this really hits close to home because we've walked through this. Uh, years ago, I went through a depression. And I know that Dave can really relate to how it feels to have a spouse that's dealing with this. Yeah, and, and really, this is a much deeper issue than we can fully, yes. fully get to in the time that we have. We, in fact, we did a whole podcast episode on this recently on our Naked Marriage podcast. Yes. We've written extensively about this in both books and blogs on marriagetoday.com. But the, the short answer of it is that you be there for each other. This is kind of a sickness and a health issue mm -hmm. in marriage. And that depression is, is, is sort of like a, a sickness as it relates to the mind and the heart. And it can affect anybody. This is not your spouse's fault that they're going through this. What it is is an opportunity for you to lean on God and lean on each other like never before. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have any perfect words because there aren't any. It's just a time for you to be there, to yes. hold them, to cry with them, to pray with them, to encourage them, and to let your spouse know you're not going anywhere. You love them. And if you'll do those things, I think that you'll come out of this season, this difficult season, closer to God and closer to each other than you were ever before. I think, though, part of it is you can't just wait for the season to end. You have to be proactively working towards healing, and that means getting yes. with a Christian counselor. That means proactively taking steps to do whatever it takes to, to help step out of that season of depression. It's so true. I think really encouraging your spouse to get the help that they need and also affirming them and saying, you know, I see hope. I see that you can get through this. This is not going to define you. This is not going to define our marriage. This is something we're going to grow through. We're going to grow from this, and God's going to use this to make us stronger and to help other people in the future. I think really clinging to hope is awesome and it, and it really helps. And I know during those moments when I was like, I don't have you know, anything to give right now. Emotionally, spiritually, I am just kind of dry. Dave would really pour into me. He would pour into me with his words of encouragement. 
He would pour into me with scripture. He would pour into me with prayer. And I'm so thankful for those moments because I think sometimes when, when our spouse you know, isn't strong enough to handle things at that moment, it is really the spouse's privilege to be there and to pick them up and to serve them in that way. And it's only through you know, God and through the help of your spouse in that moment that can really you know, help that situation. And I feel like when a spouse isn't there to really help their spouse in that moment when they are weak, it really prolongs the healing process. So I really commend you for being there for your husband while he is going through this. You are already on the road to recovery. And I know that God is going to heal your spouse and he's gonna be there with you every step of the way. And that's great advice. We've got another important question about sex. And the question is this, my wife and I continually disagree on how often we should have sex. I want it more often, but she turns me down most of the time. This is very frustrating, and it makes me wonder if she is even still attracted to me. How can we fix this? You know, this is such a difficult question, and it's a question I think most couples, so no, you're not alone. I think most couples face this at some point in their marriage. That Usually one spouse has a higher drive. It's very mm-hmm. often the man. It's not always the man. Right. And we get questions of what do we do? Now, I, I think the best case scenario is that both of you are meeting each other's needs so much outside the bedroom that for whoever has that need for greater sexual frequency, the spouse with the lower drive would look at it as an opportunity to serve, just in the same way that the spouse who has a lower need for communication would be willing to talk whenever the other spouse wants to talk, even if he or she doesn't feel like talking. You know, the Bible in 2 Corinthians talks about not denying one another. And I know that um, there are certain times where it's just impractical or, you know, one spouse is exhausted and you shouldn't feel like that you have to be on demand, ready to go anytime, day or night, but at the same time, I think that we need to look for opportunities to, to serve one another. And the more frequency, the better. I think if you'll yes. try to get to the, the numerical frequency of the spouse who wants it more often, it's gonna help your marriage rather than hurt it. It's so true. You know, we'd love to continue this conversation with you. So please join us at marriagetoday.com and we'll see you next time. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast, and we want to let you know about another marriage podcast with Dave and Ashley Willis called Naked Marriage, where they talk about real and raw marriage topics like sex, communication, openness, and more in a fun, lighthearted atmosphere. Search for Naked Marriage with Dave and Ashley Willis in iTunes and start listening today.